0: Right, you will not need to turn much to your Bibles. Oh, I've already lost half of you, haven't I? Listen to what he says. Because there isn't actually many instances in the New Testament where they describe exactly how worship happens in the New Testament. There's glimpses, you get two or three glimpses about it, but those are normally issues that Paul or whoever's writing wants to sort of focus on. So you only get little sort of glimpses about what the worship was like in the New Testament church. But what you can do, if you build up through the whole of the Bible and the New Testament, you can get some, uh, some sort of structure, some ideas of how we should come together and worship. But there isn't a sort of A to Z of how you do it exactly. And I think God's done it on purpose because we live in different cultures and different times and we express God in different ways in different communities. So otherwise we just have a law and then we always say we have to sing... Hymn number 66, we'd have to always stand at this point, laugh at this point, clap at this point, or whatever. And God has actually given us worship that is free, and that is work that is affected by the Holy Spirit, and is uh, used as a body, worshipping together. So there's actually quite a lot of freedom, and uh, hence why we do it the way we do it. So what I'm going to do is start by giving you a definition of worship. Excuse me. I was seeing a little bit too much. Okay. <clears throat> So, this is my definition of worship, which I basically nicked. Worship, our uh, worship comes together, is the activity of glorifying God in His presence with our whole being. Okay? Worship is the activity of glorifying God in His presence with our whole being. So, we find from this definition that the purpose of worship is to give God glory. And that's done with God amongst us, and it's done through us as a community as a people okay so i'm going to break that up into three and try and explain that a little bit more for you so the first question is what does it mean to glorify god the most important thing when we come together the, the how we measure the success of a morning is did we glorify god that is our purpose that is our primary concern Everything else is secondary or further down. Our prompting is, that did God get glory this morning? Did he get praised? Did he get worshipped? Did he get lifted up? Did he get talked about, uh, you know, spoken up, talked up? That's our primary concern. Everything else becomes second. If you don't have that in your mind as a Christian, you're going to get yourself in a muddle. If you haven't got the main thing in my life, and this morning when I come to worship, I come here to worship God that's what I come to do. That is my objective. If you have other things ahead of that, you're going to get yourself in a muddle. Things are not always going to work out. You're going to get, well, that was a funny morning. Well, I didn't think that was very good. It? You're going to have struggle through things because this must be your primary focus when you come to worship. So when you walk in that door next week or when we come to worship after I've preached again, that's your focus. I'm here to glorify God. Everything else is secondary. Even my feelings even what's gone on in the week. I'm here to glorify God. We must get that as our, our primary source, or the rest of the thing's going to get polluted. So, what does it mean to glorify God? Well, you could say that glorify God is to praise and worship Him for who He is and what He's done. And you could say that it also is something that fulfills us and gives us a primary sense of our purpose. Because nothing else is like Him. So, what Piper would say. Uh, famous Christian writers, that we are. um, the the purpose of God is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. So the sense of glory in God is saying, yeah, God, you're amazing, this is what you've done, this is who you are, I'll give you glory, but it's also that we actually get caught up in that and we enjoy it and we we say, God, you you are amazing, I enjoy you. It's not just a statement, that was amazing, it's no, you are amazing, I find you amazing, I want to worship you and glorify you. So our, our glory to God is something that we actually enjoy, that we actually like, that we actually get satisfaction from, as well as something that we do to God, for God. Yeah? So that's glorifying God. So it will look like things like this. To glorify God means to acknowledge his glory and to value it above all things. To acknowledge his glory and value it above all things. So that will come out in something like this. God, you alone are God. You're the king you're the one who rules. Nothing else compares to you. You're perfect. You're wise. You're all-knowing. You are before all things. You created all things. You reign over my life sovereignly. You're, you, are, you care about the great things. You care about the small things. You are just. You are right. You are true. That would be an expression of glorifying God. Acknowledging his glory and valuing it. To glorify God would also mean heartfelt Gratitude. So it's a heart saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you, that you saved me. Thank you, God, that you sent your son to die for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you went on that cross, took my place, took my sin, that you took my sin on your shoulders and you, and you took it upon yourself, you drank my cup and you rose again, you beat it now that I can know you. Thank you, you've dealt with it. Thank you, you've forgiven me. Thank you, you've given me life. Thank you, you've, you've taken all my guilt away. I'm free and clean in you. Thank you, Jesus, you made it all possible. Glorifying God has a gratitude in it. Glorifying also can be expressed through our trust in him. So we can sing songs like, I will trust in you alone. Even though I walk through the valley of death, I will trust in you. Glorifying God can be a say that you I trust in what you are and who you are and what you've done and not what's around me. That's another way we glorify God. We glorify God through our love for him. By expressing that, Jesus, you are amazing. I love you. I love who you are. I love what you've done. I love you so much. You you, you have my affection above all things. I love being your son. I love just the way you are, the way you've created things, the way you've ordered things. I love all that you are. We also glorify God through our desire to obey him. We sing songs like, Lord, I give you my life. I surrender to you. That glorifies God. When we say, God, you know, I I put everything before you. I would do everything you say. I would honour you. I want to obey you. That glorifies him. We glorify God through our desire to know him. Lord, I want to know more about you. Thank you for what I do know about you. But I want to know you more because you're so glorious. These all things glorify God, and these will happen on, on a sunny morning as our worship time together in, in different ways: through the songs that we sing, through testimonies, through our thanksgiving in, in praise, in uh, prayer, in music. It happens in our response to what God does to us as He works in us and changes us. It happens when we enjoy Him, when we when we rejoice in what He's done. It happens that we're in fact that we're a community of different people worshiping God, different ages, different backgrounds. All these things bring glory to God. That's what it means to glorify God. Before I go on to the next part, there are times when we don't feel like glorifying God, isn't there? Am I the only one? Stuart's nodding. Am I I am the only one? <laughs> hey. There are times when we don't feel like worshipping God. And feelings play a high sort of place of importance in our society, don't they? If it feels right and it's not hurting anyone, then that's okay. But we don't live our lives totally by that, do we? We don't, we don't do everything by our feelings. I and mean, even in this culture when we say feelings are important, you know, there are loads of things we think, actually, I really want to do that, but I should. You know, for me, it's going, it's going to bed. I really want to stay up. I'm really tired, but I know that I need to go to bed. I feel like I want to stay up, but actually I know I need to go to bed. Do you do it from the little things like that to the, the really important things. I don't want to go to work I don't feel like it but I'm going to go to work and that might happen quite a lot you know I don't I don't really want to see that person but I know I should we don't live our life totally by feelings and we shouldn't when we come to worship God we should come and say I'm going to give you praise no matter what above all things let's have that attitude as we come into worship let's have that attitude God you deserve glory whether I'm as high as the sky or whether I'm as low as you can go I'm going to come and worship you let that be your attitude on a Sunday morning that will dramatically affect your enjoyment and God's glory make it your decision my attitude is to worship God look at the Psalms, how many times it says I will, I will, I will I will rejoice, I will sing I will tell of your wonders just flick through that everywhere it's an example to us let's be those who choose I will glorify God Okay, let's move on. What does it mean to glorify God in his presence? I'm drying up today. What does it mean to glorify God in his presence? Well, let's start with God's manifest presence, his real, tangible presence. God's purpose, from the beginning of mankind, is to dwell among his people. Adam was made... He walked in the garden with God. God dwelled among him. And then he went throughout that. And God uh, made a people. Abraham, he, he said uh, to Abraham, I want to tell Pharaoh, I want you to bring out my people out of uh, Egypt to worship me, to commune with me in the desert, to dwell with me. He said, I want to be your God and you to be my people. I want to dwell with you. He did that through the tabernacle. He did that through the temple. It was also the Old Testament. And it hasn't changed in the New Testament. These were places where God was intimate, where God was manifesting his glory, his power there, his tangible signs of God's glory and his presence. In his temple was one of the main ways that we see this. And now it says in 1 Corinthians, that do you not know that you, talking to all of us as a plurally, you are God's temple. When we come to worship God together, you are God's temple. God now dwells amongst us. He's no longer restricted to a building where you'd have to go to a certain place or a tent at a certain place. But now the people of God spread out across the earth. That is where God dwells. That's why it's a special place. We can know God's manifest presence amongst us. See, worship isn't just I glorify God. It's not like I write a nice letter about how great God is and I send it to him. No, it's actually a conversation. It's you Next, God saying, "God, you are amazing," and He's there, and it's, it's you know it's so much difference. If I had to go and uh, give you a, you know bear my heart, if I did a letter, it'd be one thing, but if I came and did it face to face, there's an interaction, there's a change. God is manifest amongst us in a personal conversation, in a personal experience, and that is possible because of Jesus, because Jesus His blood is shed. It says in Hebrews that we can enter. We can enter, which is interesting, isn't it? We don't always. We can enter by a new and living way and enjoy fellowship with Him in His presence. If you go into two Chronicles, you see that the glory of God came upon the temple and people were tangibly aware of it and felt it and know it and saw it. Well, now we are that temple and we can know the glory of God amongst us. This should be part of our experience as a church. And this is what we're heading for. I don't think we see this nearly enough. God's manifest presence among us yet we can enter into his presence so partly his presence means his manifest presence but also the Holy Spirit lives in us and works in us so God can be present in his spirit amongst us the spirit can talk directly to us because now we are filled with the spirit as believers we can know God we can hear from him but also we can hear from God through other people So, this has happened sort of in the gifts of the Spirit and things like that. But I want you to know that God could be present amongst us by speaking to you. So you could be in a time of worship, and uh, God can come on you and just bring his peace in a difficult situation. His peace can flood your heart. You know, just, go, peace. I feel the peace of God. I shouldn't do things that are not peaceful, but God, I know your peace. That's his Holy Spirit coming with his presence. You may know God's presence when someone... uh, hears from God and has a word from God about your life and they come and speak to you. You Wow, God knows about me. He's he's managed to speak to someone else and they've come to me. God cares about me. God's for me. You you experience God's presence in that way. So those things happen through the Holy Spirit, through the gifts of the Spirit. So like uh, words of knowledge, prophecy, healing, tongues. These all things show that God's present amongst us. And that happens through the body, okay. And this is an important part of our worship. We call it body ministry. Okay, worship time is not a concert. Okay, it's not a concert. A concert is that the guys up here do this, and you can join in to a certain degree in certain ways. You can't come up and start playing the guitar. You can't come and say, Actually, "I want this song. I don't like that one." You can't say, "You know, you there, to, they entertain you, and you you have a part of it. You do sing along and stuff like that." This is not a concert. These guys up here are not the ones that run the show. The overseer of the meeting, whether it's Chris, Rich, or myself, we don't run the meeting. The Holy Spirit comes and uses us all to run the meeting, to affect the meeting. Now, my, the way I see it, the worship leader is almost sort of one who kickstarts it for us, helps us focus, helps us say, you know, this is why we're here because we need a bit of that, don't we? But then, almost, it's open game. We've got God to do what He wants to do in us. And God wants to use all of you in our worship to give them glory in different ways by praying and speaking out and singing and choosing songs and prophesying. All these ways God wants to use each of us. And if we, actually the Bible says about the body ministry in 1 Corinthians if we, that we all have a part to play. And therefore if you know, one part of my body is not working very well it's going to affect the whole body. It's a community thing. I want to encourage you that God can use you and will use you to affect our times of worship, to bring His presence amongst us. Okay, I'm going to move on quickly. That was it means to worship God's presence. What does it mean to worship Him with our whole being? Do you know how many people who are very enthusiastic? very excitable people. I think one or two, maybe, and then you normally think they're a bit strange as well, don't you? We're not a very enthusiastic culture, are we? No, we're not. We're pretty quite passive, um, and we don't expect to see it. We see it, glimpses of it in in sport or American Idol or something, you know. We see glimpses of God's oh God, sorry, of um, enthusiasm, but we're not a very enthusiastic culture. The word enthusiasm comes to the Greek word that means inspired or possessed by God. Enthusiasm actually is something that was described, the Christians were described, like the Methodists, Wesley, and people who uh, had a massive effect in preaching the Gospel, they were described as enthusiasts. And in fact, we are to be an enthusiastic people. What else on the earth should be people be enthusiastic about than eternal life, knowing God, being healed, being changed, being forgiven... I mean, that's just a few, isn't it? Does that... I mean, if, if you came and said to someone, I'm going to give you, Liz Paisley, eternal life. Oh, thank you. <laughs> very kind. It's like, you know, it's not like I give a cup of tea. Thank you. It's very kind. It's an enthusiastic response. We, we should be enthusiastic people. If anywhere, it should be in church. Jesus says he wants us to love God with all our hearts, our soul, our mind and our strength. With our whole personality and every ounce of our being, in other words. Knowing God, the gospel is something to be excited about. So actually it's quite sad when church isn't like that, isn't it? What's that phrase? You, uh, they damn you with faint praise, was not it? Mm. <coughs> Damned by faint praise? Yeah. It's a bit like I don't think church should be lifeless. It says in Peter that we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That doesn't mean we don't know how to express it. That means we we can't say it, so it just comes out in enthusiasm and excitement and joy. I want us to be like that. I don't want to tell you you have to be, but I want us to say that should be something of our worship to God. Let's be enthusiastic with all our personality this should be the most enthusiastic place that you are put it that way at least if you're more enthusiastic at something else something's going wrong this should be your most enthusiastic excited place ok let's look at how we can worship God with our whole being you will look like you're half asleep you've probably just woken up and gone back to sleep again because it's all changed so give me an example and how can we worship God with our whole being just one way Sing, my first point, well done. <laughs> Corporate singing, okay? It says in the Psalms many times, sing to the Lord, praise to his name. Singing is a gift from God. It actually has blessing and power in it. Paul and Silas, they sang in jail. The gates flung open, people were saved, they walked out. You know, we should go and tell the guys up at Lewis what to do. <laughs> it has power and blessing. I think, I think God gave us the gift of Music. Whether it's Christian music or whether it's Kings of Leon or McFly, it's all a gift of God. I think it is a gift. Music is a gift of God. I mean, and we, and I think we're built to sing. Okay, now I don't think you know it's not just Africans that are built to sing. Okay, I think we are. You look at any my kids like to sing. I didn't tell them to. They like it. They enjoy it. Um, also, I think that we lose that in our culture, but I think we all like to sing. Take, take my work situation. I'm a builder, and I work with loads of guys, right? And we often have the radio on, right? And I have plumbers, electricians, even electricians, uh, even uh, bricklayers, you name it. All these big blokes, you know. And there they are singing, Girls Aloud Promise I made, promise I made, <laughs> promise I made, promise I made. You think hear yourself, guys, you sound like a sort of football choir. What's going on? <laughs> they like to sing. You can't stop it. You, have them, you know, they think it's great when you're in a house and they think they're alone in a room and they're bellowing it all out and you think actually, the whole house can hear you singing Spice scales, But people like to sing. It's a gift from God. And God has given it to us. So let's sing corporately together. God's blessing is on it. Okay. Another one. Dancing. Dancing. That's on here as well. Number four, though. Not bad. Dancing. First of all, then, this is a nice one, isn't it? Some of you are feeling itchy already. Not because you want to dance. First of all, God dances. Okay? It says in Zephyr that God rejoices over us with singing. And that word rejoice is about dancing. It means to spin around in delirious delight. Now, that's an impression of God I don't think you put in your mind before, <laughs> did you? God spins around over you with delirious delight. Okay? Let's go with the logic of that. We are made in his image, are we not? There's one star. It also says in Psalms, Praise Him, praise Him. This is so it's a command, praise Him with tambourines and dancing. I'll deal with tambourines first, because that's a worry for all of us, isn't it? (laughs) Okay? Let me hear what I'm not saying here. I think that's culturally, that was the instrument. That was the guitar of the age, I think. So everyone was like, yeah, we're going to dance. It's going to be tambourines, okay? (laughs) Bells everywhere. So I'm not saying come with your tambourines next week. In fact, I'm saying don't. (laughs) All right? But dancing, yes. God uh, God, God encouraged us to dance and delight in Him. He also, I think also that it's an expression of community. You see, God wants us to be a people. Yeah? And he wants us, he dwells amongst his people. There's something special about us coming together that is different. We don't do worship, we could could do worship, right, that we have no one here and it's all done by telephone or video and we all stay at home and do it like that. You might think that's great, I could sit in my pajamas, that'd be fine. We don't do that because there is something about being together as a people that God blesses and likes and wants and is part of. And so there's a community. That's why we. That's why we do it, because it fulfills our purpose. Not just because we have, what do we do for the first half an hour, kind of preaching about something else. No, it's part of God's purpose for us. And it's the same with dancing. It expresses community. It says in Jeremiah, Then shall the young women rejoice, in their to, to rejoice and dance. And it carries on. It's not just the women. And the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn the morning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness or sorrow. Dancing was often a communal dance, often a round dance or something like that. I'm not quite going that far in saying we should do the can-can together. <laughs> I'm probably again saying no. But there is a fact that dancing together expresses community. You think of a really good wedding, like Paul and Kat's wedding. Are they here? To do you know what I'm saying? It's a great wedding. Well, she's hiding, all right. That was, I really enjoyed the end of that because it was a real community-type fun dancing time together, wasn't it? different ages, together, just, some you might say, question whether it was dancing, more of a cry for help, but <laughs> it was dancing nonetheless, okay? And that expresses community, it's great, that's how church be reflected as well. It doesn't have to be, you know, it's not, it's not sort of strictly come dancing, where we're all watching and going, that's wonderful, Ron and Liz, beautiful stuff, but it's it actually community together, dancing together, having fun together, and enjoying God's presence. Okay, good. Another one on my list, please. Musical instruments. Good, true. We praise God with our music and everything like that. It's not on here because I've had a limit of time, but it's true. Still get a point. Another one? Shouting. Shouting, yes. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Again, a command, not shout if you want to. And that's also not shout if you're having a bad day and you want to let off steam. <laughs> so you don't come to church and go, God, I can't stand what's going on this evening. That's a shout of joy for God, okay? Just in case you just want to vent off at one time during worship. Okay, let's shout. There should be some shouting in worship. Yeah, there should be some celebration of glorious shouting. You get shouting at great celebrations, don't you? Again, I, you always think of the sort of classic nowadays of football or, or sport, things like that. You get great shouting and applause. There should be that in our worship. Shouting is part of our worship. Good. Good shout's great. Another one. Clapping. 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 Good. Linked with shouting. Um, it's more, the Bible talks about clapping, more about as in applauding, applauding, applauding people, rather than clapping on the beat, which is what we think of straight away. So there should be a times in our worship, along with the shouting often, where we applaud God, where we celebrate God, where we clap, and it's a sign of rejoicing. In Psalm forty-seven, it's, it exhorts us to clap our hands. So I want to encourage you: let's be people who applaud God. We're not applauding the band; we're not applauding they've finally finished their song. No, we're applauding God because He's amazing. You can clap on the beat as well. It's a good fun as well. Okay, another one. Raising your hands. Excellent! Raising your hands. Raising hands. <coughs> a small child does just a lot. Okay, I've, I've worked out my children do that a lot. It's sort of their first reaction to many things. And they want that for attention or for a cuddle. But it shows something more. It shows us a sign of deep trust, doesn't it? And that they, uh, you, know, they're, you know, you do need you to cry of help sometimes. Um, and hand raising is, is, a, is spoken about a lot in the Bible, in the Psalms. And as we raise our hands to God, it shows our trust for him, our love for him. It could be a sign of surrender to him. Um, the Bible encourages us to lift our hands and bless the Lord. Encourage us to lift the hands, to dedicate ourselves, to express desire, and to intercede. We don't, you know, it's, it's not just because our arms ache that we do it. Okay? No, we raise our hands. And it's like, oh God, I surrender to you. Or, no, it's you. It's sort of a reaching, isn't it? For God, you're greater, you're bigger. It's a real sign and expression of our worship. Let's be people who raise hands. Good. Any more? Standing, healing, down. Stand, all at the same time. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'll go for bowing. You missed one. You missed one. Bowing. Um, The Bible talks about bowing before God, which implies submitting, revering, worshipping something. It says in the Bible that one day all will bow their knee. And I think sometimes in worship, the right response is just to bow to God and say, Well, you are God. I just surrender to you. I give everything to you. So we often think of people in front of idols bowing, but we need to bow before God. I think it's a good expression of where we can be in worship i got any more before I ask. One more obvious one. Silence. Silence. That is not here, but yes, it's true. Silence could be the way we, we just think God's here in his place. I think so. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything because God is here. I'm just going to awe and revere him. Good. Okay. Yes, praying. Good one. We haven't said that one. Praying. The Bible tells us all times, encourages us to tell of God's mighty deeds, to thank him, to praise him, to delight in him. Let's have a variety of prayers to God. Let's, that is part of our worship. It's not that we're filling in the gaps while the, the guitarist tunes up. No part of our worship is praying to God. and it's actually it can really change a meeting and really affect us. I remember a couple of weeks ago um, Nat praying in our worship here, and it just you know, I thought, "Wow, wow, that, was, that really sort of transformed the meeting and changed the meeting. And God sort of came upon us in that through that. nothing because he's not that special, but he, no, he's very special. <laughs> But because, you know, just what we do, our actions, again, brings presence in. So let's be those who pray uh, to God. Okay, there's one more that you might get. was prophetic singing, which I was going to put under, sing. Um, In 1 Samuel, the prophets are described playing musical instruments and prophesying at the same time. Isaiah sang one of his prophecies, and the book of Habakkuk was probably sung as well. So I think this is a gift that we haven't seen much in our church recent recent times. But there's times where God speaks to us through prophecy and it's just done in a song. Done in a song. God sings out. And I want to encourage you to be pursuing that gift and asking for that gift from God because it can be very powerful as God uses it. Okay. Right. So God wants us to worship him in a whole being with a whole spirit, our mind and our emotions and our body. And God doesn't ever want us to be a passive spectator. Okay? If you're a visitor here, you can be. You can do what you like, that's fine. But if you're part of this church here, God doesn't want us to be passive spectators. He wants us to be free and enthusiastic, to worship him with our whole being and our whole body. What I'm going to do now is give you three examples, if time allows me, of people in worship. Okay. And uh, I'm hopefully going to teach you some of the examples of, of how to get into worship and to do stuff and how not to to these people. Okay? Um, first one's rich. No, i not joking. So these are. Oh, you want it to be? You want to be the first one. Anyway, okay. It doesn't do the actions. Oh dear. <laughs> it doesn't care. <count>, yeah. <laughs> so these are some examples from the worshippers from the wonderful church of Whitstable. Okay? The first one is Wilbert the worshipper. Okay? Now, Wilbert, this is how his day started. He started. Uh, he got. I mean, he likes Sundays, he used to get up for work, but he got up a bit earlier. And he spent some time with God praying and uh, reading the Bible. And then he arrived at church about ten to ten, so good time. He likes to get there, chat to some visitors. Um, just you know, doesn't like to be late. And make sure he gets to the start on time. So he that was Wilbur, and um, and Wilbur actually felt quite good on this Sunday. He was having, he was feeling pretty good. Had not a bad week. Was doing all right. And uh, so the first song sang, and he clapped away, and he clapped in time because um, Wilbur isn't white. Um, so he could crack in time, and then um, and he was enthusiastic about rejoicing. <laughs> Only a couple. Of, okay, I thought it was a good joke. And was <laughs> enthusiastic about rejoicing in God for His grace. Okay, so he was worshiping God. and He was, he was getting into it. Uh, the worship he then spoke about God's grace and how God is for us and gives us things without uh, freely. And and this really really helped Wilbert into worship. And as the next song, he was really getting into. He was being enthusiastic. He was again. He was. Um, he was dancing, uh, again, because he wasn't white, so he could do that without any hindrance. And he, he was getting into the worship. Um, and this particularly was a good morning for Wilbur because he'd only been saved a couple of years. He only met Jesus a couple of years ago, and the grace of God was something that really affected his life. He wasn't, I mean, Wilbur wasn't a religious person at all. I mean, a couple of years ago, you would not have found Wilbur anywhere near a church. Maybe a wedding, that was the closest you'd get. But Wilbur wasn't religious, and he was having a conversation with a mate in a pub about God and how actually Jesus did exist and he, he, he just got him questioning maybe there's something there and he went on an alpha course because he was interested and he asked questions and, and, he, and he begot actually that's Jesus I think he was real I think he did do these things I did make these claims and he found Jesus he found faith in Jesus and believed upon what he'd done on the cross and God just filled his heart and his mind he really found freedom he found forgiveness he found his guilt he found all the stuff that had gone wrong that he'd done wrong, he felt God forgiven for him. And that really just, just, it was a weight lifted off him. And he so he loved God's grace. He knew he'd made many, mistake, many mistakes and still does. But he knew that God had forgiven him, that he had new life. And so he, he loved getting to worship. So the second song finished, and there was a breaking singing. Now Wilbert knows that when there's a breaking singing, the worship leader is giving you a chance to contribute. It's not that the worship leader's forgotten what to do, or that he uh, has run out of ideas, but actually the breaking in the worship, the song, gives people a chance to contribute in other ways other than singing. So Wilbert wanted, he was, he was really excited about what God was doing in his life, and he wanted to pray God and say thank you to him. But Wilbert's not very good at speaking, um, so he was a bit nervous about it. But he thought, well I don't care really what other people think about me, I'm actually going to say it because I really want to praise God. And he did that, he, stood, he went out and praised God for what he was like. And, and it really sort of helped the meeting and people really were really enthused and incited by his praying to God. And then there were some other people praying and someone was reading another bit from the Bible about God's grace. And uh, it was, you know, people were getting really enthusiastic about this amazing God that they serve. Um, and then so they went into another song and it was... A real happy song of people dancing, people doing the river dance, some hopping around, um, which is cool dancing. It was a great atmosphere. Um, you know, like a wedding or almost like a, a football match. It was real cheering and applause. And that, yeah, as the song finished, just a great cheer arose up for God's grace and what he'd done. It was, it was like being at a football stadium. Wilbert loved it and he loved the fact that this felt right because it was for God. I thought, Yeah, this is who should be praised and worshipped. Uh, the guy next to Wilbert starts to sing another song after this. Uh, it wasn't perfect pitch, and it wasn't you know, perfect start, but it was a real right song for him, it was a place where they continued to worship God, and it fitted well. So. And Wilbert wasn't surprised by this, because he knows that it's not all up to the worship leader, but actually that it's a body ministry, and that people have an effect on it. So that was a great morning, and Wilbert thought it rocked. Okay. Wendy, the worshipper, go to our second one. Wendy, now Wendy, uh, she, didn't have, she didn't have time in the morning to spend with God, um, and actually she, she didn't think she was going to go to church, but at the last minute she was like, okay, I, will, I will go to be at the church and worship God, and so she arrived just before 10. Um, now, the worship leader was talking about God's goodness and started to sing a song, um, but Wendy didn't really feel like worshipping God, because actually, in fact, talking about God's goodness was a bit difficult for her, because stuff had been really hard. she just got dumped, um, she'd just lost her job, and it rained this morning and she's got fluffy hair. And so that would really just put the capping on it. She wasn't happy. Um, but as to her credit, as she looked at the screen and was thinking about the words about God's faithfulness and goodness to her, she thought, no, he is good. And, and she thought, I am going to worship him. I don't really feel like he's being that good to me at the moment, but I know that actually the truth is that God is good. So she started to sing and to praise him. As she started singing Praising God, and this carried on with a couple of songs, she she really sort of began to feel a little bit better. And her emotions sort of seemed to be turning towards actually, I'm enjoying praising God. Um, And then someone came up to the front, and they had a word from God, a word of knowledge. Uh, And it was just about uh, Wayne's situation exactly. And she thought, wow, they're talking to me. God's talking to me. and she was a bit concerned that they might want her to go up and be prayed for and she had fluffy hair so she didn't want to do that um, but fortunately the overseer thought it was best that people respond in the next song and he told the worship to sing a song and they, they sang a song about trusting God's faithfulness and goodness and so she thought yeah no God you're speaking to me thank you for speaking to me and, uh, and so she sang this and meaning every word and she just actually she just thought I'm, I'm going to surrender to you God and she bowed down and raised their hands and surrender in just a sign, saying, "God, okay, I don't get what's going on in my life, but I know you're trustworthy and that you care for me." And uh, she and she just felt God's peace come. She felt God being there with her and felt really refreshed and uplifted. Then someone sang a prophetic song uh, about God's faithfulness and how He never leaves us or forsakes us. And again, she just, felt, "Oh God, you just, I oh, thank you that you're so there for me. You care for me." And God, she really met with God that morning, and she was so grateful that she got out of bed and came to church. Okay, last one quickly. Wally. Here you go. Not difficult, was it? Wally the worshipper. Now, Wally often lived up to his name. Uh, I don't really think Wally actually understands the purpose of the church, but he does go regularly. Um, and uh, but church didn't always. Well, rarely lived up to what he wanted it to be or what he hoped for it to be. Um, this morning, Wally arrived at 10 and he was actually in quite a good mood. He was feeling pretty good. Um, his team had won last night and he was in a good mood. Oh, but as he got in, he realised that Gandhi Gordon was worshiping, leading the worship. So Now, Gandhi's not his favourite worship leader and so he was a bit gutted by this. And then, to top it off, um, Titch Rutt was overseeing the meeting. So um, he it was a bit, oh, well, was fine, never mind. So he, he, he wasn't really, he, that sort of put his, his joints out and he was sort of just singing, but not really getting into it, I suppose. Um, but to make matters worse, everyone else, well, there seemed to be a lot of people getting into it and actually people were really having a good time and, and you could really see that God was moving on people. And he uh, said, God's here. And that, and that really made... Wally was like, "Why don't you ever meet with Mika? What's going on?" See, the problem with Wally was that he was a Wally, and um, he he didn't really realize that the, the promise says, "Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you." He knew that part, but the second half is that we need to purify ourselves and cleanse our hearts. And you see, the problem with Wally was that he actually had a real problem with sin. He was totally addicted to pornography, and he couldn't shake it. Whatever he tried to do. He, he you know, you kept the ice for forgiveness he kept, but it just seemed to be something that he couldn't get out of a cycle that you couldn't get away from, and it made him feel terrible and rubbish, but no one else knew about it, and maybe that was the problem with Wally that he kept it secret. he didn't know how to deal with it so this sin sort of kept him back from God, and I think Wally never really pressed in on Met with God because He wasn't willing for God to have complete control and to take over his life and to be humbled. Someone brought a word from God saying that there are people who felt locked in bondage and chains and that God was willing to release them. I never found out if Wally took him up on it or whether he just decided to go home. Okay, What I've tried to do with those three stories is give you a bit of an idea of how you can respond to worship. I want us to be a people who who glorify God. I want that to be our aim. I want it to be our attitude and our purpose. I want us to be a (coughs) church where God is present amongst us. I want his glory here. I want him to be working in us, giving us gifts, the Spirit speaking to us. I want us to be a body ministry where we're all involved. We're all involved in in worshipping him and glorifying him. And I want us to be a people who do it enthusiastically with our whole being, not holding anything back because we're worried what other people will think. God deserves our glory. Amen. I hope that's been helpful to you. Uh, been a bit longer than I want, but we're going to still worship for a little bit. So Nat and the crew could come back up. Would you like to stand?